Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com or you can download our free Living Truth app. Now here's part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 2, verses 1 through 10, called The Deliverer is Born. I see Yoshebed praying the whole time she's putting the pitch and tar on this. She goes and gets the basket. She prepares the basket like a loving cradle. She does what she could. She might have prayed something like this. Lord, as you saved Noah and his family by the ark, would you take this mini ark that I prepared in reverence to you and save our child, save our family, save this nation? There's some extra biblical uh, writings that say that maybe the parents had an idea of who Moses was. We don't know for sure. But as she set him among the reeds, I would imagine that one of her prayers was something like this. Lord, would you bring him back to me? I'm going to let him go, but would you bring him back to me? Psalm 32, 7 says, you are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. Psalm 119, 114 says, Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I wait for your word. Corey Tim Boom, who uh, also hid Jews with her family, wrote a book called The Hiding Place. She shared a story of hiding her Bible under her thin prison uniform and asking God to hide her with his angels. And somehow the German guards did not see that Bible. That was a miracle. And so she prepared the little ark and she said, oh God, save him, save our nation. Whatever prayer she prayed, God floated their salvation right to Pharaoh's doorstep. (laughs) Because you guys know what? It's going to happen, right? Pharaoh's daughter of all people is going to see this thing. And God works all things together for good to those who love him and those who are called according to his purpose. And there's Moses. And there's big sister, verse 4. She stood at a distance. It's always good to have a big sister who protects you. Amen? I have a sister. She's older than me. If she's watching, she will forever be older than me. There's no way that that will change. (laughs) And you guys know that denial... There's only a river in Egypt anyway. So, yeah. Anyway, why am I bringing this up? Well, it's good to have an older sister. My sister was and is tough. She's been a special ed teacher for years. She's a strong lady. She played Little League baseball with the guys and hit a home run when she was 12 off a guy pitcher. She was, I think, the only girl playing majors in our Little League. And the next time she was at bat, they beamed her on purpose because their ego was hurt. But it's good to have a sister like a Michelle or a Miriam to protect you. (laughs) And there she was. She was like, this is the ultimate babysitting job. Can I get a witness? Don't lose track of that child. Let nothing distract you, Miriam. Watch him. Why was she sent to do the job? Probably because she was no more than 12 and maybe could, you know, go somewhat unnoticed. There's a depiction of this in the DreamWork version. 
of this story of Moses where the little ark is going down the Nile River and crocodiles are snapping at it and stuff like that. And I don't know exactly everything that's going on there, but God guided it and Miriam was watching. And then the daughter of Pharaoh, the camera pans, verse 5, came down to bathe at the Nile. The Nile was seen as a uh, sacred place to dip into the waters and uh, didn't mean that they didn't have tubs or other options at that time, but she's doing something that's religious, you could say. She came with her maidens, probably four who would attend her. She probably went into the water alone as they watched over her. They were walking alongside the Nile and she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her maid, one of the maidens, and she brought it to her. Now the camera pans to Pharaoh's daughter, another heroine in the story. You have Yoshebed, you have Miriam, you have this princess. And she may have been one of many daughters of Pharaoh. We don't know for sure, but she's down in the sacred waters of the Nile, in quotes, to bathe. And she sees the little ark. And when she opened it, she saw the child. And behold, the boy was crying. Maybe that's what first got her attention. I don't know. And she had pity or felt sorry for him. NIV had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Now, can you imagine? Here's a Egyptian princess. She certainly knows her dad's evil decree opens the basket and sees the child. How does she know that Moses is Hebrew? Well, if you watch Cecil B. DeMille's version, he has a little blankie with him and it's a Hebrew pattern. But it's very likely that Moses is marked with a sign that will give him away. What do you think the sign is? He's circumcised. On the eighth day. It's also probably not hard to figure out that an Egyptian person wouldn't put their kid in a basket and float him down the river. So some practicals there. But she knows who it is and she knows her father's edict. But her first emotion is not to submerge the basket, which if she was to be obedient to her father, she certainly would have done and could have done. This is a Hebrew baby. Hey, this will please daddy. Submerge him into the water. But she doesn't do it. And if you're Miriam watching this, you have to be going, oh no, not an Egyptian. Not the daughter of Pharaoh that found him. This is terrible. It's over. But it wasn't over because she felt pity. She had compassion on him. After all, she was a female, and this was a crying baby. I would imagine she was like all other females on the planet. When a baby's crying, oh, oh, look at the little baby. And they do that little pat thing. I think that's just an instinct within women. They got the bounce. It's right over here right now. There's a, there's a little rhythm going on. And uh, we have <laughs> in our family... Oh, shit. I don't know if I should say this. Okay, there's a song. And uh, it seems to be a magical song that my mother uh, sang over the years. And it goes like this. Nina, 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 no. And the child... I think it could have been the singing. <laughs> anyway, 
What is that? But it seemed to stop the crying, the bouncing, the Nina no. <laughs> we don't know what the interpretation is of those words. But anyway, <laughs> she probably was going, oh, look at, look at him. He's beautiful. Look at him. Shh, it'll be okay. And God, I believe God was working, melted her heart, gave her compassion. Do you know that the Lord delights in compassion and mercy? These are some of his highest laws. Compassion. God is filled with compassion. He's compassionate and gracious. That's why we're all here. Because <laughs> the Lord is filled with compassion. His compassions or mercies are new every morning. Sorrow may last for the night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. And I'm sure as Miriam was watching from a distance, she had to go from heart pounding to a thrill as this Egyptian princess softened to him had mercy on him. At the Republican National Convention, Abby Johnson shared a testimony. She spoke for about, I don't know, four or five minutes. She was a former uh, Planned Parenthood employee, recruited at a college job fair where they, Planned Parenthood saw her, recruited her, and said, you know, we want abortion to be rare, legal, and safe. And so she... She was taken in and she ends up working for Planned Parenthood and uh, like something like an administrative manager over the clinic. And she got called back. Uh, some employee was not available to the abortion room. And I would encourage you to look up her speech at the RNC convention. Her speech should have changed the world because she described the horror of what she saw back there in that abortion room and said that the doctor's comment after the child was destroyed was, be me up, Scotty. Callousness. And she was so broken over what she saw that it's changed her forever. And I don't know why Abby Johnson's personal testimony there has not changed the world when it views this thing. But I know there are some uh, positive Statistics coming up about our young people's views about this issue. And I think that we could have seen the callousness of the Egyptian woman. You know, she was culturally prepared by the rhetoric coming directly from her father to say that this child doesn't matter because he's of a certain race and there's an edict that he should die and he's a threat to our society and population control and all of these excuses she could have made. But after all, he was just an innocent child. God help us to see that. And with the mistakes that many of us have made in this room understand that God is a God of forgiveness. She defied her father's order. Abby Johnson says, I'm pro-life because I'm pro-love. And God was guiding. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today.
We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. Proverbs 21, 1 through 3, write it down if you're taking notes, says, The king's heart is like, King, uh, New King James, like rivers of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wishes. That's just Proverbs 21, 1. The king's heart, or the princess's heart, in this case, is like rivers of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wishes. Then his sister, being Miriam on the spot, said to Pharaoh's daughter, she said, oh, this is looking good. She, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for you? Now that had to be a brave, bold move. You go up to the princess, the Pharaoh's daughter, hey, it seems that you like this baby. Can I help you out? He's obviously hungry and he's crying. Could I get a wet nurse for you from among the Hebrew women? And there had to be a little pregnant pause in there. Oh, let her say yes. And, and the daughter of Pharaoh says, yes, take the child away. Go ahead, Pharaoh's daughter said, verse 8. And she so the girl went and called the child's mother. Can you imagine Miriam? I don't know how far she had to run. <laughs> she goes, Mom, Mom, what happened? What happened? The Egyptian princess found him. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You won't believe what happened. She, she loves him. She had pity on him. And in fact, she's looking for somebody to nurse him. Come on. What? 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 Yes, it's true. I'll grab my coat. Let's go. And off they went to visit the Egyptian princess. What a beautiful twist of events. Amen. She got the go ahead. And I'm sure Miriam was like on the way home. Glory, glory to God. You ever been there before? Ever seen the Lord work in your life and you're going down the freeway, people are looking into your car, you're like, I don't care who's watching. It used to be you couldn't talk to yourself in your car, but now you can because people think you're on the phone. And so if you add a little dance, you never know. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah, have you ever noticed that other people are happy in their cars when you're having a bad day? It always happens. This guy's out for a Sunday drive. I'm late. What's his problem? Come on, go. I'm on my way to church. And then when I'm cruising and have a little extra time, some guy's behind me. He has an issue. It's always the other guy's problem. It's not my problem. Anyway. So the girl went and called Yoshebed, the child's mother. You can imagine she coming up to the Pharaoh's daughter. And the daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me. Oh, you got to love God's sense of humor. And I shall give you your wages. I'll pay you to nurse your own baby. She got her child back and got to nurse him on the Pharaoh's dime. God definitely has a sense of humor. And this is the Pharaoh's daughter. He would have to say later, didn't you get my text? Anyway. Nurse him for me. I'll give you your wages. So the woman... (laughs) And we don't have it here, but she had to be, her heart had to be soaring to the moon. She took the child and nursed him. You want to talk about royal protection? There it is. Now she didn't have to hide him any longer. And what we know about the ancient world is that children were nursed and not weaned until they were three or four years old. And so the princess knows that she's going to get him when he's 
a little older, and the family has three to four years to anchor him in what? In the truth of God. And this is the man who will write the Torah, the first five books. This is the man who will lead the nation out, and he's reared under the nose of the guy and the nation that they're going to overthrow, if you will, with the plagues. This is all irony, (laughs) but it shows you the power of God. He's the God of our salvation, accomplishing his great plan of deliverance. And I know it was tough for Israel in those days. I know it's hard for a lot of us to understand all the ways of God in our day. But I want to remind you of five women to take note of and hopefully never forget. The Hebrew midwives in 117, Moses' mother and sister in our chapter, and even the princess who's Egyptian. And I want you also to realize that when Israel leaves Egypt, people from other nations leave with them. And in Isaiah, and we won't turn there for the sake of time, there's a couple passages in Isaiah 19 where God calls the Egyptian people my people. And God is going to do a work and has done a work among all the peoples of the world, including those who are Egyptian. And the child grew, final verse, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter. That had to be a hard day, but she was able to anchor him in the truth of God and take care of him and prepare him. Raise up a child in the way that he should go. Proverbs 22, 6, and when he's older, he won't depart from it. And so they poured as much as they could into this child, I'm sure. They raised him, they reared him, knowing that they would have to give him away, but we all eventually have to give our children to God. And he became her son. And she named him Moses, she said, because I drew him out of the water. The name Moses has a double etymology, reading from my notes, both Egyptian and Hebrew. Perhaps because the princess desired to honor the Hebrew origin of Moses and to legitimize him as her son, combine the name. Moses sounds like the Egyptian word mos, M-O-S-E, which is derived from the verb to bear, to give birth to. In Hebrew, Moses means he who draws out. The name is significant. It may indicate that Pharaoh's daughter knew some Hebrew. Moses, which sounds like the Hebrew verb mashah, M-A-S-H-A-H, in Hebrew actually means he who draws out. Her Hebrew may not have been sharp, but she unwittingly, says one writer, gave Moses a name that spoke of his destiny. She drew him out of the water. Moses was about to draw a nation out of Egypt. And Moses is a type of Christ. I'd like you to turn to Hebrews 3, and we'll conclude. Hebrews chapter 3. And if the worship team can hear my voice, why don't you come on up. This is, uh, the book of Hebrews is drawing parallels between Jesus and some ancient heroes of the past. In Hebrews chapter 3, he does just that with Moses and Jesus. And he says these words, Jesus being superior to Moses. Therefore, Hebrews 3.1 Holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, Hebrews 3, 2. He was faithful to him who appointed him, 
as Moses also was in all his house. For he has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, Jesus has, by just so much as the builder of the house has more honor than the house. And ultimately, there will be a prophet like me given to you. His name is Jesus Christ, the Passover lamb. And he, the ultimate fulfillment of the deliverer, draws people out of sin, draws people out of death, allows us to climb on board the ark of salvation, who is Jesus Christ. He draws us out of the world, draws us to himself. The Passover, the rescue from Egyptian slavery is all a picture of our salvation. Exodus is a book of salvation. We were in slavery to the taskmasters doing the bidding of the Pharaoh and we were bid out by the powerful hand of God through the deliverer, through the blood of the lamb, taken to the holy mountain to learn who God is and how to worship him. Amen. This is the story of our lives. The book of Exodus is our story as well at least in typology. Jesus Christ saves. His name, Jesus, means Yahweh saves. That's what he was named. He draws us out. He rescues us. He makes us secure. Even in a world where it's crazy and the river goes all kinds of ways and there's crocodiles and you name it. He's the ultimate gift. You've been listening to The Deliverer is Born, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. And that was Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 2, verses 1 through 10. And if you missed any part of today's program, you can always listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more. Subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. In the book of Galatians, it says, In the fullness of time, God sent forth his Son. You know, when we think about Moses being born into the world, the Deliverer is born, there is certainly a link from the Deliverer of the people of Israel out of Egypt, out of bondage, to the ultimate Deliverer being born. In the very history in which we are embedded, here we are moving quickly, you know, through fall, will come upon that season that we call Christmas and will remember that our Deliverer was born in the fullness of time when the time was exactly right. God, listen to the words, sent forth his Son, the Deliverer. To do what? To come and deliver us from our bondage, from our sin, from our taskmasters, from all that weighed us down, all that spelled our demise under Pharaoh, in quotes, to the living God into freedom. That's what this is all about. And this is Walk in Truth, Pastor Michael Lance, as we walk through the book of Exodus, a glorious book about salvation, really uh, about sanctification as well. And uh, we're moving through it, and we're so glad that you are aboard with us. Hey, I want to tell you about a local event happening at the church that I have the privilege of being senior pastor. It's called Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona. And we do an annual Harvest Fest this year on October 31st as a Halloween alternative. It's called The Greatest Joy on Earth. 
a Harvest Fest event happening at Living Truth. It's going to be 5.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. Now, many of you have come out who live locally for these events every year. And this year, we're going to have game booths. We're going to have lots of candy, inflatables. We're going to have trunks of treats, a bakewalk. Uh, we're going to have food, hamburgers, hot dogs, that kind of stuff, music. Um, we're going to preach the gospel sometime during that evening as well. And really just have a good time as the people of God and really interacting with all those who would like to visit. It's a safe event. It's free. And it's happening again October 31st this year at Living Truth Christian Fellowship. You can always get directions to the church in Corona right off the 91 freeway and Lincoln Avenue. When you go to walkintruth.com, click on the church tab for information on this event and much more walkintruth.com. One other easy way is to download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app in your app store, and you can see the event there as well, Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona. So that's what's going on on the 31st. I hope you'll make plans to bring your family out for that event. If you're a radio listener, and I suppose if you're listening right now, (laughs) you are, or you listen by podcast, I would love to meet you. I'll be there that night, so hopefully we can meet. God bless you, and we'll see you tomorrow. Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast for free. Also, more people like you can dive deeper into the Word of God and apply it to their life. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner of at least $5 a month or give a one-time gift. Visit walkintruth.com to give. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 2, 11-25, called The Shaping of a Leader. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.